0: The A-Team is back. The final Paddock Pass podcast note show of 2023 and the MotoGP season. Neil, it's always a pleasure to see your face, but after a few days separated in Qatar, not so much on this occasion. On the other hand, David Emmett. David, it's fantastic to have you back doing the note show in a physical capacity.
1: Barely.
2: Did you have a nice 10-week holiday?
1: I had a lovely 10-week holiday, which I've mostly been sick in and which I'm still sick from.
2: You're
0: sick of, or sick from? From, right? Okay, that's that's an important distinction, I think.
1: Anyway, yeah, exactly. No, what I'm sick of is MotoGP. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, Tuesday roll on Tuesday in the test that's what I'm really looking forward still to. my GP though Dave oh I, I um, uh, actually spoke to uh, Joan Miras uh, at his um, uh, debriefs today let's be
0: honest you were coerced <laughs> <laughs> to talking no, no, no
1: no no I, no I really enjoy talking to Joan Mir because no one goes to his debriefs so it's great um, and uh, he was basically all he was talking about is uh, Tuesday yeah Tuesday what the new bike is going to be like I showed him some bikes because there's some some photos of uh, Stefan Bradle up on speed week and he hadn't seen those photos and he was very excited about it so I'm not the only person who's very excited about the test
0: do we think he's still going to be disappointed though yes yeah it's not looking great is it and we're in a weird scenario here bear with me for a moment but I find this reverence towards Mark Marquez and the end of his chapter with Repsol Honda slightly bizarre because he's breaking his contract he's leaving them in the lurch it's and, and you see these big signs around thanking him for his service I, I think it's a bit Bit too far. It's a bit over the top.
1: Yeah, it's terrible uh, that uh, they would thank someone who won them six Mo- uh, MotoGP world and also championships, f- and it was
0: also fucking off.
1: Uh, yeah, it's terrible that uh, that you know someone who bought all those championships
2: uh, and saved their bacon, and saved their bacon while the bike was so
1: terrible uh, that he would he would do that. Well, but to me, uh, they should be. Uh, I mean. Really, he should have left about two years ago. You know, he he should have left at the end of 2019. The bike wasn't that good in 2019, if you look at the other uh, results from the other Well, judging
0: by your comments dripping with sarcasm, you clearly don't agree with my point. So moving (laughs) swiftly on. Um, it, guys, it's been really busy here today. Uh, we knew that it was going to be packed with media. I think a lot of people were interested in this um, final episode of Mar- Marquez in Repsol Honda Colors. Of course, uh, Pedro Acosta was in the official press conference, so there's already some build-up for him, the Moto2 world champion riding the MotoGP bike for the first time on Tuesday. Uh, already some fans. There's Mate, quite some activities going down in pit lane.
2: There's a world championship to be decided, not to mention F Marquez's send-off, but there's a world championship to be decided. Is it really? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, the,
2: yes. Yes, there yes, is. yes. Yes. Come there on! It's already done. No, 30, it no, it's not. No, it this. is.
1: No, it isn't. It was. Um, uh, I mean. Uh if you are a Patreon supporter, go to our Patreon uh, uh, page and listen to the interview I did earlier today with uh, with Pecco crew chief Christian Gaberini, who was fantastic, very interesting uh, about racing against someone on the same bike and all the rest of it, and about who the pressure is on, and all the, uh, be because um, Jorge Martin has got nothing to lose, uh, he can do an awful lot. Peko has to be sensible and bring it home and not make any mistakes. Um, if Jorge Martín is leading the sprint race and crashes out, it will be a shame but everyone will applaud what Jorge Martín has done. If Peko Banyaya is in third and crashes out of the sprint race, he will be seen as an absolute failure. All of the pressure is on Jorge Martín. No, he's on Peko sorry on pecco yes yeah. sorry yeah sorry yeah I, uh, <laughs> to, my to, brain doesn't work today to emphatically all, state of your the, point. all of the all of the yes all of the pressure is on uh, is on pecco banyaya he has to uh, also because he's the factory rider he's the one you know he's got the number 1 plate on there um even though you would think that the the the, ta- the, the task facing jorge Mart- martin might be more difficult might be bigger um but he does it without the pressure he has zero to lose here
0: David's encouraging in your funk and malaise of MotoGP. Currently, you're still an uber professional mentioning your Patreon plug. Um, with you know Ducati, uh, Cruci. genuinely,
1: genuinely, um, it's. A, it, I mean, not because of me, but because of uh, Christian and his uh, the generosity of his answers, the openness of his answers. Um, it was really good. The same with your Fabio Quattararo interview on the last show. Absolutely fantastic because of the answers you get. You get such interesting answers. And Christian was was really open and really uh, frank about everything that, uh, that that went on, everything that was going on uh, about the season and how things have developed and what he thinks of Pekka.
0: I was about to take the piss out of you, but after your nice compliment, I won't. Um, yeah, well, I'll that's mo- why I did it. I'll move to Neil instead. Uh- <laughs> Now, as we mentioned, it has been a busy day. Uh, getting to media debriefs has been a mission in itself. Uh, we've been doing interviews around the paddock, trying to get some more material for the Paddock Pass podcast. This show is free, guys. But as Dave mentioned, not only do we have exclusive in- interviews on Patreon, but the rest of the weekend will be on the Patreon platform. So come and join us there for more content and bad jokes uh, throughout the spectrum of these three days in Valencia. But you know, one of the mysteries of today, perhaps one of the, m- the main talking points aside from the renewed championship build-up between Martin and Bagnaya has been the, you know, even Fabio Quartararo was saying the situation with Repsol Honda is utterly bizarre and that we're only a couple of days away from the test for the next season and they don't have their second rider confirmed. Is there any chance that this thing might not happen?
2: Uh, I don't think so. Re- just, We've just watched the press conference. We're actually recording in the press conference room. um, And from Luca Marini's comments there it would indicate that it's pretty much happening, but yeah, it is bizarre that it's it's not been confirmed yet because we're what four or five days away from Marini making his debut. He'll be going down into the Repsol Honda garage, you would imagine, on Monday once uh, Sunday's racing is done to meet the team, sit in the bike, get measured, and make all the kind of personalised changes that he likes to a bike. So yeah, for it to be hanging still in the air at this late stage, I mean, some of the people involved in the press conference. Um, thought that there was going to be an announcement today. Still no announcement. So, yeah, yeah it's bizarre.
1: Um, what I suspect is that because it's so late in the in the year, so late in the championship, uh, uh, it's not as simple as uh, Lu- Luca Marini signing a contract with Repsol Honda and then getting on the bike. Um, Luca Marini really still has a contract with... Uh, um, Mooney VR46. Mooney VR46 have a bunch of sponsors. They signed up to a specific deal, and if uh, 2024 is a different rider lineup, then that makes things a lot more complicated. Luca Marini is, I think, does he, he has he has a he's a monster athlete. I yeah, think. that's, he that's has one monster. thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, he's going to Repsol Honda. Repsol Honda are losing Red Bull, but Red Bull have in their contract that they're not allowed an energy spirit drink uh, sponsor for next year. So Luca Marini has to lose his monster sponsorship. All that has to be sorted out. There is so much bureaucracy and paperwork, and there are so many complications. Um, plus there's um uh, you know this was juan Mir's first year with uh, in the repsol Honda team he hasn't really uh formed a you know a particularly strong bond he's seen the other uh, the, the 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 team on the other side of the garage who have so many uh, championships maybe he's thinking uh, maybe maybe i'd be better off on the other side of the garage with santi hernandez and that whole n- organization. internal organisation uh, we also know because we saw there there was uh, there was a story on motorsport.com today about some of the r- changes inside one of uh because obviously we know that hector Martin, the press uh, the communication director i think he's off to new f- uh,
0: football club the football
1: uh, that's all we need to know, the football. Um, and uh, someone is being moved in. There are a couple of people who are being moved internally to to replace that, to, to reorganize that. One of, uh, uh, one of the mechanics inside of, uh, um, one of Mark- Mark's original mechanics is being moved up uh, again into a team coordinator role. Uh, so there's lots and lots of internal messing around with uh, uh, going on in the team because the Marquez situation has been so stable it complicates things awful lot.
0: Dave, you would be a good director of communications for epsilon you can just tell everyone to fuck off.
1: Yes, I would. Yes, yes. Yes, I would. Yes, uh, the first thing I would do is stop all uh, all uh, stop the re re uh, uh stop the riders from talking to the media and just have my um magnificent uh, director of communications um, uh, uh uh Harry uh, Harry Lloyd uh, do uh, um bunch of Instagram reels and videos and all the rest of it. And stuff
0: yourself with HRC food three times well,
1: a day. You, well, yes, yes. Spend all of my time uh, riding my motorbike in between.
0: But, Neil, on a serious note, in the press conference, Marini's demeanour was that of a man who looks like he's been presented with a contract and then they give him a second version with half the money. Uh, it, there wasn't a great deal of... Uh, I mean, you think if you're on the verge of signing a two-year contract with a fa- you know, like a factory deal like that, you'd be a little bit more lively. Or either he's just a fantastic actor. I think even when Diggy tried to joke with him, it was a, it was pretty. I don't know, just a lukewarm reaction. It kind of fuels any. A conspiracy thoughts that this thing might actually turn around at the last minute.
2: It's the 20th race, and it's the Thursday <laughs> of the 20th race, and he faced the media precisely five days ago. So, and all of last weekend, he basically had to say, Well, you know, I can't really say anything. Uh, it looks as though there could be some changes next that year. Hint, ago. hint, wink, wink. But, you know, but, you know, what did Dave just say?
1: Yeah, but the other thing is that Luca Marini is, uh, for a start, he's, uh, he's a very, um, uh, he's incredibly intelligent, very analytical, very thoughtful. Uh, he's not um, incredibly expressive. Uh, he's not... Uh, he's he's very level-headed all of the time. You never... Um, you know, he's no elasia Spargaro. He doesn't jump up and down... Well, up I thought he looked thoroughly
0: brassed off, to be honest.
1: Yeah, well, he's he, he probably... Is. And possibly also, just because of the delays, he's probably absolutely sick to the back teeth of that. But uh, again, I was at Jean Miras debrief, and we were talking about, you know, well, what about next year? And, the, and and the and the new teammate and all the rest of it. And it says, you know, oh, I think one of the journalists says, obviously, you know, we're not sure who your teammate is going to be. Yet. He's yet to be confirmed. And John Mer says, we all know who it's going to be. So <laughs> it's it, it's, not if, it, it's not as if it's not as if it's an open. It's just like, and I can imagine it must be so tedious for a, a riders hate talking to the media anyway. Um, for them to have to talk to the media. While uh, t- to answer the same stupid questions while he's not allowed to say anything um, he probably has some very strong opinions about the situation himself uh, but he's not allowed to vent them both positive and negative in the in, in the way that uh, with the things are handled uh, being handled so yeah it surprised me
2: they actually liked the uh, media debriefs during the uh, flyaways, Dave, and said that there yeah, were no stupid questions being asked
1: yeah well yeah yeah that was uh, that w- w- That was because I wasn't there, obviously.
0: Yeah, you're feeling that director of communications role already, you know, (laughs) and you're still wearing a media pass. I'm slightly worried. Um, But, you know, uh, DJ, the winner of the Grand Prix last week, uh, he seemed a little bit more upbeat that he's actually going to be testing on Tuesday. He made a sort of joke saying he's got a helmet and leathers. He's packed. He's ready to go. But, Neil, you mentioned, you know, things, it's only seven days since Marini faced some inquiries about his future. But then in that seven days, Ucio um, Salucci, you know, the team coordinator or director of VR46, uh, said there was they wanted to have a younger rider as their second rider next year. Uh, maybe they've done a U-turn. There's been some sort of um, negotiations going on behind the scenes.
2: Yeah, I think the problem is that uh, Fermin Aldeguer um, has a pretty hefty release clause in his contract. I think from what I heard in Qatar, there was a release clause that um, was in his contract, which you know, would have allowed him to step up to MotoGP if someone came, I think, before the start of November, maybe before that. But that's obviously passed. And I'd get him out of his contract that would cost quite a hefty sum, like 400 grand has been sort of bandied about as a number. But um, from what Luca Boscos girl was saying in Qatar, that would be a lot higher, that number. Um, some people involved, or some people close to Aldegare were reckoning he was maybe going to ask for like a million euros to release Aldegare at this late stage because he essentially sees this as a uh, a championship challenger being snatched from his grasp at the 11th hour and replacing him would be next to impossible Um, so yeah it does look as though the Aldegar thing is is maybe going to be on hold obviously we spoke in our show during the week about this Pramac are interested for 2025 so from Aldegar's point of view Missing out in this Ducati seat isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially as it seems VR46 is going to be going to Yamaha in 2025. So, if he did step up next year with Jakadi, then you know there's no guarantee he'd be with Jakadi the year after that. Um, he's still only 18 years old, and there's this guy that has just um, won the most recent MotoGP race, has scored more points than anyone bar Jorge Martin or Pecabana in the last six races or six race weekends, um, available for very, very cheap. Um, Would be a third year on a Ducati. He's Italian. He seems like a good guy. He knows the bike well. He could be integrated very, very easily. It seems like a bit of a no-brainer. So, yeah, um, from being the uh, the eternal um, questioner of uh, De Gian Antonio's metal and whether he is deserving of a place, I'm now his biggest fan. Neil, would most you like fickle, to remind, in the
0: remind <laughs> listeners how much it costs in the fan club that you set up to join, and what email people can contact them on? Uh, you know, will they get photo opportunities? Anything like that?
2: Absolutely, yeah. You'll get a warm smile from Didier. He'll <laughs> look into your eye and he'll call you mid.
0: There you go, uh, Dave. Apart from that, let's. Uh, Brad Binder was saying that Valencia has a new surface. Uh, that means, you know, the grip should be pretty good, even though the temperatures as we know in the afternoon and the morning are going to be fairly low and tire wear should be lower than what it was in Qatar as well. So uh, maybe uh, even more parity than usual, perhaps in, in, in qualifying or m- more riders having less problems.
1: Yeah, uh, the, uh, th- we do have a new surface. It's not going to be all plain sailing. It's not going to be as bad as Qatar, because Qatar is also dusty, and uh, and the dust and the sand is incredibly abrasive, incredibly aggressive, and really, you know, like, basically, uh, Friday morning was lost, or, well, whatever the equivalent of Friday morning is in Qatar. Um, That was a waste of time, because you were just chewing up your tyres with sand. Here, um, uh, there's a new surface, there's lots of grip, but... Uh, it's also very green, so there's no th- there's no rubber down. It's going to take a session for the or you know the morning for for the track to rubber in and for there for us to really start getting some grip uh, on the track. So again, the morning is going to be a bit tricky, uh, a little bit difficult to, to say what's going to happen. We won't really start to see things until tomorrow afternoon. That's when people will be able to put in sort of proper uh, proper lap times, um, but. There's so much more data. They have so much more data about this track. Um, uh, well, actually, no. They have a lot of data about about Qatar, but again, the Qatar the, the service just changes all the time. Here, it shouldn't be so bad. Um, there will be lots of grip. Some of the Hondas were quite. Uh, uh, I think jean Mayer again was was quite positive about the fact that there's more grip because it means. It means that they, as long as they've got a new tire, they can actually make some progress. You know, they can actually it'll actually grip um, before the sort of electronics gives up on them. So it, it's going to be interesting. The Yamahas again. Fabio Cottero are very positive about about the fact there's going to be grip here. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out.
0: A few riders being very really effusive about this circuit, saying it's their favourites. Jorge Martin, Pol uh Ralph Fernandez. There's there's people that like this track, even though it looks pretty. Do I want use that word? It sort of winds back on itself. There's nothing special about
1: it. No, there is something special about it. Turn 13 is fantastic. Basically, turn one is not uh, turn, uh, turn Out of turn 11 is great. uh, From that section where you've got to like flick it right and then get it over on the uh, on the side and and the final corner as well, we've seen some really uh, you can overtake in that final corner, but it's so it is so tricky. It's really easy to to make it to get it wrong. So that's good. And obviously here, turn four, turn five, uh, you're on the you're on the left side of the tire for so long you're literally half a lap on the uh, on the left side of the tire before you get to turn 4 and especially in the uh, on a friday morning when it's cold or on a saturday morning when it's cold on a saturday morning when we're qualifying also, we noticed today, like coming in this morning, it was absolutely freezing. It was absolutely Baltic. And then you went out at lunchtime when the sun was out and the temperatures were up around 20 degrees, and it was lovely. So it's really, really, it's it's really tricky. Um, it's going to be really easy to crash at Turn 4 and hurt yourself.
0: The Thursday, we've got absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Prediction for the weekend. Neil, over to you first.
2: Uh, Martin, double winner. Oh,
0: bold.
1: I like it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Martin double winner and Pekka Banyai champion. Mm, yeah, uh, that's, yeah, not bad
0: bit. I'm going to say Binder to win. Just to, you know,
1: but you all say Binder. And no, it I never does. No, I say Miller st- sometimes last year. Yeah, that's and- true. No, but you need to stop saying Brad Binder, and then maybe you'll win. Uh,
0: yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, take the mockers off him. Guys, get over to Patreon to you know, hear uh, Dave's Gabarini interview. Fantastic stuff. Um, for the rest of the weekend, as we mentioned, we'll, we'll be doing these shows and daily updates on the Patreon channel. So join us. There are different tiers, different levels to get this kind of content. Uh, we're going to play out with the Dave pronunciation.
1: Colin Weyer.
0: Interview. out Stophorst. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That was done in Qatar, uh, where he'd been prior to Qatar. He was the latest new winner in the Moto3 class, so we talk a little bit about that. But um, just an interesting insight to another youngster in Moto3, and Neil maybe arguably one of could have been Rookie of the Year if it wasn't been for David Alonso's uh, you know amazing run of results for victories. And
1: Vader w- was saying was saying today because I, I interviewed him uh, today for a, for a Dutch magazine, and he was also saying like he got injured earlier in the year and that uh, and that stopped him as well. But he was. <laughs> really impressive the most funny the, the most fun thing that he said was after he won the race in sepang um he phoned his um uh, he phoned his mum and dad to talk about it and the first thing they told him was just calm down son <laughs> just calm down don't get out of yourself there is a there's a there's a a, a, a dutch expression about you know you like it roughly translates as you know like just just be normal because normally he's mad, he's, he's, he's mad enough, he's stupid enough. So just, just calm down. So he's very, very, very level-headed, very, very sensible. And um, the interview that you did with him was fantastic. There's a lot of really interesting insight in
0: there. Well, I hope he gets a well done when he wins the world championship.
1: Yeah, I, I think he might just find winning a world a, a world championship. Because the other thing is, that the, our colleague Frank Venk of, of uh, Zegosport he was on the live stream with them after the race. Um, after uh, after his third, uh, I think he finished third in maybe India or where, wherever it was, uh, they were on the live stream. In India, in yeah, no, India Thailand. was knocked off in the, Thailand. That last right. lap, yeah, in, in Thailand uh, he finished third, and he was on there, and they said, "Oh, you must be really happy." He said, "It's not a win." <laughs> and then um, after Malaysia, he was on the live stream, and they said, "Oh, you've won now. You must be really happy as well." It's just one win, so I, I think. That the real sense is this is a very very driven young man who's going to go quite far. I mean, I'm a bit of a fan, I must admit.
0: A demanding young man does that strike a chord, Neil? What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, how is it's Thursday? How's the energy levels for the sixth Grand Prix in seven
2: weeks? Uh, good, yeah. yeah, yeah, good.
0: Just a quick reminder to Susan, your mother, that you know you're actually awake, you're firing, you're you're full of beans. Yes. Okay.
2: Yeah,
1: we're. 100%. I'm staying. We staying in the same house as him, and he's full of beans. This is not a good thing. <laughs>
0: we had some recent criticism from, um, you know, um, Neil's mother that we we sounded a bit. Um, Flat. What's the word? Yes, somewhat jaded. You
2: know, yeah. Wonder why? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine.
0: Anyway, we will sign off with well, the interview with Colin. Was um, he was full of more energy than us, and then uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow on Friday evening to talk about what's been happening on the first day at Valencia. Colin, good to speak to you. Wow, I mean, it's been an amazing... I don't want to say a turnaround because your season actually started pretty good when you came into Moto3. I mean, you got points in your first GP. I know you struggled a little bit with the rain um, in Argentina, but then, you know, things have been going pretty good for you. So just tell me how you sort of found things generally. How's How do you see your development?
3: Yeah, um, start of the year was a bit difficult. I had an injury where where I didn't do the testings, so yeah, to start the season was quite difficult, Um, but yeah, I think overall we make big steps, especially in after summer break was the biggest step, but um, no, start of the year was just some difficulties, but we knew it wasn't going to be easy to make the step first, Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, after summer break we make the biggest step, and, and it's going well at the moment, so...
0: How do you define that step? Was it just a confidence thing, or did you work on something specifically?
3: Um, I think it's, I think everyone can ride a bike here. Everyone knows have the talent, and I think the the biggest part is also mental. You have to be very strong here. Um, a lot of people are playing with you also mentally. They just to try to get into into your head and and play with you. But I think at the moment I made a big step for myself with this. Um, Really, people can say anything to me. And, and yeah, for me, it's like going into one ear and one ear out. <laughs> so yeah, I think the biggest step has been mentally, especially.
0: Dennis Onchu was talking about that and the mind games that you can play in Moto3. Uh, how do you see that? Is that something you can also do with other people? Um,
3: yeah, if I look to riders, you can break many riders mentally. You can, if you like, okay, at the moment, Masia, impossible to destroy him. It's very is amazing strong at the moment with especially mentally is is quite good um also onchu is very good mentally but there are also riders in in here that are mentally not so strong and with every small thing they overthink or they do think so
0: i think mentally is a very you have to be strong here for sure is that those games about maybe making a bit of an aggressive move or saying something on the grid beforehand.
3: Yeah, this is one of the things that that makes mentally the, the mental part of racing quite difficult. I think also in interviews, if you say things about about one rider and the rider's got to think about it, and it, and also on the track you can you can make aggressive moves or or be very annoying with the overtakes, like pushing someone wide a little bit. This is one of the things that that can
0: yeah makes a big difference in Moto Three. It's, it's strange because I, I mean you reference Jamma Massia and also Dennis Onchu, but they are also two of the older and more experienced riders in the class I mean you're still so new still so young and it's it's interesting that you have that grasp already on Moto 3 it's almost like you have two or three seasons experience
3: Yeah especially experience helps a lot also in Moto 3 will yeah to to understand things and to to learn from your mistakes um, yeah, and this is what I think. Messia and Anjel especially use as now as their power because it's, yeah, if you are mentally very strong here, you can do a lot of things. And yeah, Messiah he said in the press conference last time he just enjoyed the season at the moment. And yeah, also he's now on the top of the championship. So I think yeah, at the moment he's very strong, and also Ayumu is 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 quite strong uh, mentally. But yeah, I think will be very yeah, it's very difficult sometimes here.
0: Colin, you come from a small town in the north of the Netherlands, right? Not too far from Assen? Maybe sort of 30, 40 30 km? minutes. Okay. 30
3: minutes.
0: Was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, tell me a little bit about how you developed really your style, how you found your speed in motorcycle racing. Of course, the Netherlands have some very fast motocrosses as well. Tell me a little bit about kind of, you know, your beginnings there.
3: Yeah, um, I started racing when I was four. So, yeah, we started very young. Um, we did first some national championships, Uh, Not too crazy and just I the first year I got third in the championship the second year I won the championship So my dad already was thinking about going to to Italy Um, I got the chance to go first to Spain when I was eight years old we went to Spain um, There I rode against uh, Piqueras, uh, Radar, uh, I think also Morelli and stuff So yeah all the riders that I'm racing against now uh, I raced against before But then we make the step to Italy um, I get a contract there with, with one one um, engine manufacturer. Um, and yeah, from there, we did eight years long with them. Uh, then I make the step to ETC uh, with a Spanish team. Then this year was not too, yeah, it was very difficult. Then the second year we went to junior GP, another difficult year. And yeah, then Rebel Rookies and uh, last year. So yeah, I think... Yeah, it was quite a long journey, but finally we're here. <laughs> it's
0: it seems like you've you had to spread your wings outside of the Netherlands. You know whether it was Italy or Spain. And the funny thing is that sometimes MotoGP fans see like a rivalry blooming, but then these guys are not. You're not new to each other, are you? Like you say, you've been racing for maybe years. Um, you know, maybe in a year or two you're racing against Ethan Guevara, but you know you've known him for a long time. So it's it's uh, you're almost like a, a class that goes through school together, right?
3: yeah this is yeah this is one way you can say it um yeah especially when i was eight you don't know those riders and you wouldn't know if you ride against them uh again um yeah with raider i have a very good relationship with him also i very i'm very good with him uh also because we know each other for quite a long time at the moment and same with alonso alonso i knew from from um from the etc then but Also with him, there's a very good uh, relationship with him and a lot of riders that that I raced against before.
0: Uh, You're you're based in Spain during the racing season. Um, What benefits does that have? Is it it more than the weather? Is it just being in the company of other racers, that whole kind of um, environment?
3: Um, yeah, this is one of the things you are know, with more riders. So, and yeah, the training facilities are much better than, than the Netherlands. We, we got much more chances to ride on karting tracks with the bike. Um, same with motocross. Motocross is not too, too difficult because in Netherlands we have a lot of motocross tracks, but to, to only do motocross and do, uh, only on one car track is, is too, not, it's not too much. So we made the step to, to Barcelona. And yeah, I have a lot of facilities there to train on. So,
0: I mean, you're away from your family, but from what I understand, your family are quite, you know, there's a racing background there, right? I mean, there's uh, quite a lot of it going on. I mean, there was probably not much chance you were going to play football or do something else because you were around bikes a lot.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I did play football before. and are well, scour- a Dutchman, yeah, so yeah. I'm sure you know yeah, how yeah. to play the game. So, and I got scouted by a professional team. For, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, for not too long, but I had the chance to also go maybe to football if I focused myself on that.
0: Defender, attacker. No,
3: attacker. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, and yeah, finally we make the step because I was already very focused on motor racing, so yeah, football wasn't my thing anymore. So we made the chan the the choice to go to motor racing. So, and yeah, the whole family finally did it. So yeah, it was not too. Of a str- it was not a strange move to go motor racing because everyone did
0: it. So is there like a fast cousin or a brother or a kind of relative also coming through or has been hitting a high level? At the moment, my all my cousins are also
3: racing. So one we have in ETC and the other ones are still in national championships in, in Netherlands. But I hope to see them also one day here.
0: Colin, do you think the system now for, for younger riders? I mean, we've seen uh, Northern Talent Cup, for example, ETC, European Talent Cup, um, Red Bull Rookies Cup. There's opportunities to to get your name seen, isn't there? I mean, it's got to be a bit better than how it was maybe ten, fifteen years ago.
3: Yeah, I think yeah. Northern Talent Cup and all these classes are a very good chance to show yourself. But the problem is the big level difference. We in last year in rookies, we had some riders from Northern Talent Cup coming up to to rookies cup, and yeah, you can see a very big level difference. You we are already fast from from the first practice and. They struggle quite a lot in the season or in the season especially, but yeah, I think it, the the biggest difference is always the level. It's it's very difficult for um like a you Euro- or like a rider from where we come from Netherlands, Belgium. I think it's more difficult for us to to get to the level where the Spanish people are. So, and yeah, at the moment I'm more or less same as the Spanish riders um, because I also live in Spain at the moment um, and I also do my racing career more more or less always in Italy and Spain. So. I think I grew up with them like normal.
0: How have you found the way the team have treated you? Because they've had you know, good riders in the past. they like Romano Fanati, then you know, Adrian Fernandez or you know, Alonso as well. Right. Second riders that haven't quite got the same results. Last year, they had John McPhee, of course, who was you know, very experienced, very quick as well as a Yumu. You came in as the rookie. Maybe they thought, okay, learn, make mistakes, do your apprenticeship but i mean the second half of the season you've been it's like double a two top riders
3: yeah yeah i think um the, yeah the start of the season the the goal was just to get points every race um but yeah i think in the season or after summer break the the goal was a bit uh, higher for me to reach top 10s because at the moment we we reach a lot of top 10s um and yeah really i have to say i didn't expect to to already win a race this year but yeah, we finally did it, and also to Paul in Austria wasn't was also for me quite strange to already take it there. But yeah, I think we we're doing a very good job, and also with the team at the moment, uh, I enjoy a lot. They help a lot, also mentally, and when you're struggling, they help. So yeah, I think at the
0: moment with the team is is perfect. It was one of the biggest lessons this season coming in India, because that was a very interesting situation, and also you know for fans of MotoGP watching, it was pretty incredible. Did you take a lot from that experience you know how to how to battle how to treat things, how to assess a situation on the last lap
3: um yeah for sure you you treat different uh, treat races different now, especially last laps um yeah from that I le- really learned to just go also for myself and not to to worry about one one other riders so yeah from from that I learned quite a bit. Um, and yeah, I think in, in Malaysia this this was also one of the parts why, why I wanted to take the win also maybe. But yeah, I think that made a a little difference also. But yeah, also these things happen
0: and yeah. We're doing this interview only a few days after your win. How has it been afterwards? I mean you must have been the phone must have been red hot with messages. Uh yeah, have you seen anything else? Some some news clips back at home, you know, with the Netherlands. I mean, have you been busy? Yeah.
3: um yeah quite a lot of newspapers called um luckily i have my manager who who manage everything so yeah i push everything to him everything that i get from from uh media and stuff i i can do i can send him a message and tell him uh, this and this happen. um and then he takes it over and looks what's good and what's not good so yeah at the moment um yeah a lot of a lot of media yeah
0: <laughs> maybe that's also another lesson for you, you know, having to deal with some expectation and spotlight. People will be looking at your number, your name, uh, you know, expecting you to be top 5 and going for podium again this weekend. So that's a new uh, a new sort of weight on the shoulders, isn't it?
3: Um well, yeah, maybe maybe because I don't look too much to to other things. It's always I I if like for this weekend my my goal is to again reach good points. But we just have to see how competitive we are in on the Friday. And from that, you can make an expectation, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and finally, yeah, the expectations from spectators are high. But finally, they are not here. So why why should I be worried about those expectations if I have my own expectations here? So, yeah, um, for this weekend, I hope to be, again, top 10 more or less to, to make good points.
0: And yeah, that's it. You're pushing through the level. I mean, like we said, you started as a rookie. You've already won your first GP. You've, you've reached milestones in the class. Are you looking at the next steps? Is it possible to do that or is it still too early? Um, you mean like go Moto2? Yeah, motor or, two yeah or? I think at the moment... Because you're not, you're, not, you're not small, are you? You're not, you know, No,
3: but I think at the moment to to be a tall rider in Moto3 is not a big, big disadvantage in my opinion. It's especially the weight that makes the big difference um if you're tall and you can tuck in good on the straights it doesn't really matter okay on some points you have a bit of a disadvantage in the corners you you get more wind into the corner but i think overall if you're more heavy it's it's worse than if you are tall to in a moto three and yeah to make the step to moto two at the moment is too early
0: right talk about um you know being in motor 3 quickly because again to MotoGP fans who watch it from the outside it looks insane i mean some other riders we've interviewed in the past have said actually it's not quite as crazy as it seems when you're inside the pack because the pace is not ridiculously fast but it does look like um a mad mess of reactions and strategy you know how is it how is it for you sometimes
3: yeah, I think on TV it looks worse because yeah, and, the, and if you are in the group at that moment, you just feel it's like a race, and yeah, all all the things feels normal because you you experience it also in rookies cup. Um, I think rookies cup is even worse sometimes because you go like six riders into one corner. Here it happens the same, but everyone knows what can happen, so some people pull out or no. I think on TV it looks for sure worse than than our than our vision. Do you need to trust some of the other guys
0: as well? I mean, is that...
3: Yeah, this for sure. If you have some rider that just turn in on you, that's, in my opinion, very strange if they do this. And yeah, you have to have trust in each other. Finally, you're also racing each other, but to have some respect is also, yeah, normal here.
0: Uh, Lastly, Colin, you represent Husqvarna Motorcycles and they have some of the nicest design bikes. You know, um, have you made a call for maybe a 350 or a 250, a 450 or a street bike? some sort of dirt bike to go in the garage back home
3: yeah at the moment i have a 250 mx bike at home so yeah i'm, <laughs> and I'm really enjoying it the, that bike um got one injury on it but that was my <laughs> own fault so no it's it's an amazing bike and yeah for next year maybe we get on a different bike a 125 or something but at the moment i'm enjoying a lot the mx bike
0: conan thanks for speaking to us best of luck for well you know here in valencia and then also into next season thank you